0: If you do not have an email list, you are dead in the water for your event. I can promise you. There are people that don't even like social media. So if you're just posting on social media, they won't see it. They literally won't see it. Your email list is gold. It is a gold mine. Actually, during the pandemic, mine grew a lot by hosting virtual events. You have to reach out to your list at least once a day, I would say, leading up to your event.
1: Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay and welcome to episode 153 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is a show where we hear and learn from women who've created unique blueprints for their business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Lakeisha Mosley, virtual event producer and CEO of the LM Experience. During our conversation, Lakeisha shares how she helps her clients plan profitable virtual events. She talks us through the admin, marketing do's and don'ts, and the process of finding sponsors, speakers, and so much more. If you're interested in learning how to incorporate virtual events into your business, take out your notebook because Lakeisha is sharing her playbook with us today. Before we hear the rest of Lakeisha's episode, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our show so amazing stories like Lakeisha's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. With that, let's go off script with Lakeisha Mosley, virtual event producer and CEO of the LM Experience. Lakeisha Mosley, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. So, for any of our listeners who haven't heard of you, could you share who you are and what you do?
0: Sure, I'd love to. So I'm Lakeisha Mosley. I am a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I have been in business about eight years now. I started out as a wedding um, planner, and now I am in the digital virtual space uh, planning all types of events. I'm also a mom and a new grandma on oh, top of that.
1: Congratulations. So Thank how you. did you even get into the virtual event space?
0: I will tell you, Sarah. It was not intentional. However, COVID uh, was the one who, you know, helped that come about. Uh, last year, when uh, COVID hit, we had to find a way to pivot our clients to. Um, be able to still do their events. I had five events on the books, all in major cities, all in cities where there were shut down yeah. social distancing orders. We're talking New York, uh, DC, uh, Miami, Atlanta, Los Angeles. So none of those places could have any events. Mm-hmm. Well, those clients were looking at me like, okay, so what's up? What are we going to do? Because Deposits have been paid in some instances tickets have been sold. And so we had to figure out a way uh, to um, not only recoup some of their money, but also give them a way to still get their products and services before their clients. And so um, we've, Took to Zoom initially at first, and then as COVID began to just really run rapid, more platforms began to emerge. And so a lot of these platforms aren't new. It's just that nobody really needed them Mm -hmm. until now.
1: Mm -hmm. And And I definitely want to dive into your opinion on what the best platforms are, for sure, because we've heard about Zoom, but perhaps depending on the type of virtual event people are hosting, another platform is better suited for their needs. But as you said, a lot of people did pivot to virtual events. And I feel like a lot of people have been inundated by them. Do you find that people are losing interest in virtual events or are they still going strong?
0: I think they are still going strong. I honestly feel like a lot of people have found um, where they are virtually... So significant now uh, for what? Number one, it's going to keep us safe. We don't know when COVID is going to end, mm-hmm. and I always advise clients when you want to do in person. It's so many different things that you have to really think about. You have to think about your COVID language. You have to think about vaccination, non-vaccination. When you you know that's a whole other rabbit hole you can go down. Mm-hmm. Virtual events gives us data that we now know. What people actually are interested in, it gives us evergreen content that you can use consistently in your business. You record a video one time, and you can chop that thing up, you can remix it, you can do whatever you want to do with it. It's evergreen content that you can use consistently. When we get into the world of sponsorships and partnerships, most brands do not want their brands in a place that's in person where potentially COVID could occur. And now you said that you went to my event where uh, Coke was the sponsor and now Coke's being looked at because they sponsored or helped Mm. an event um, that was in person and so it's really a lot of benefits and I'm noticing people um, are not they're tired of Zoom but they may not be tired of the platforms um, that people use because they still want to talk to people they just don't want to do it face-to-face anymore. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Especially that point about the fact that people are still pushing for in-person events, but I'm noticing more and more those events are not sponsored, just specifically because of what you said. Sponsors are kind of leery of those in-person events right now. Exactly. You mentioned that there are different types of platforms. What kinds of virtual events are out there and which ones perform the best?
0: I will say the ones that have more engagement, have high engagement, that where most of the work is not done during the event, it's prior to. So Mm -hmm. I've had events where um, we've done lunch. It's been through Grubhub or Uber Eats, where your guests get a certificate to be able to have lunch. That's something neat. That's something that's missing from in-person. So
1: interactive Um, events.
0: Yes, more interaction where we can talk one-on-one. One of my favorite platforms is AirMeet. AirMeet gives me the functionality to be able to have a conversation with you just as we are at a virtual table. Um, we can do speed networking in there. We can upload videos, documents, all those type of things. It's still parts of in-person But now it's virtually and it's safe. You know, you can have DJs, you can have comedians, you can have all of the things that you used to have in person now in a more safer environment and really less cost involved. You know, mm-hmm. people don't really think about it. So much. they look at like, oh, I don't get to, you know, see so-and-so. I've seen more celebrities on virtual events than I have ever seen them in person. Now they don't have to pack their entourage. Mm-hmm. Now they don't have to get on a plane, get transportation to and from a hotel, think about food, all of these things that really make it hard. Um, when you think about doing it in person, I need hair, I need makeup, I need mm-hmm. wardrobe. Now you need a cute blouse, a nice background on the
1: bottom. (laughs) Yes. And some good
0: lighting. And you're Mm good. (laughs) You're absolutely good.
1: So you did mention AirMeet. Maybe you could run us down some or run down some of the best virtual platforms that you know of and what the key features are that um, I think would help people decide which one would be best for them.
0: I would say if you're looking for an event that is over the top that is highly engaging, Airmeet is going to be your place. I absolutely love them. And guess what? They like free 99 for the basic thing. Mm-hmm. Up to 100 people in an event with all the bells and whistles for free 99. You can't beat that. In Airmeet there are virtual tables. I have did events where I have sold a vendor table and it's virtual. Where you and I are talking like this, I can have my products products displayed behind me in front of me on a table. We can talk. I can drop my link to my square or to my stripe for you to purchase my product right then and there. It's really great for networking and things like that. They have a virtual stage with a virtual curtain that opens. I mean, if you're looking for over the top where you can also do some branding, AirMe is going to be... Uh, that place. I love them because they have 24-7 support. Nobody is doing it Like, literally, I can come out of my event and go sit at a virtual table in the support system mm-hmm. or in their support background and get help for my event. It's, it's a no-brainer. So, Airmeet is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, StreamYard is another favorite that I have. I like them for the branding features. Now, I want people to think of StreamYard as your Video camera, your commercial type thing. It has to stream somewhere. So you need StreamYard to go to, say, Facebook, YouTube, or even other platforms such as AirMeet or Passage. I love it because I can brand in it. I can have tickers and, and messages scrolling across. Mm-hmm. I can upload videos. So I can merge that pre recorded and live function into uh, StreamYard. And again, it's They have a basic version that's free. The version that lets you record, it's like $25 a month. It's really economical, especially if you're just getting started in this space and you're like, oh, Let me just see what I like. Let me Mm -hmm. let me fill this out where it's not a huge um, investment. So I absolutely love StreamYard. And what I will tell you that has really improved their technology since last year is Hopin. I absolutely hated Hopin at first. Um, The technology was real wonky, Mm -hmm. but they have really made a lot of strides to improve they also have a free version up to i think 50 people that you can use their most basic functions and they merged they've merged with StreamYard so now you get the functionality of StreamYard Inside Hop In, again, they have exhibition halls. They have where you can do uh, vendors Mm -hmm. in there. They do have a networking piece to it as well, as well as, you know, they have some some engagement
1: pieces with the chat. So those are three of my
0: favorites that I like.
1: Okay. Well, I like that you've given us a few different alternatives so people can figure that out. But I know earlier you did mention that virtual events do cost less than in-person events. So how much should we be budgeting for a virtual event and how should we be allocating all those line items in our budget just so we can make sure that we're producing quality events?
0: I would say at the bare minimum, you can put on a really good virtual event for $100. Literally $100. If the platform is free, then that's one thing. But you still have to have somewhere to process tickets. So depending on where you go to process tickets, there are processing fees that you mm-hmm. have to pay for. Your graphics, that's something people really don't think about is that, oh, it's virtually been I don't have to spend a lot of money on graphics. That's how you draw people in. So you really need really good graphics to be able to draw people in. Um, you may have to get a domain um, to help you draw people to your website, create your sales pages, things like that. And you may have to hire an assistant. Um, You want someone that's going to take a lot of that administrative stuff off of you while you do the major things. If you don't hire a company such as myself, you know, you, there are things that you have to do. So I would say a hundred dollars or less can really get you a really great event. Um, If you choose a platform that costs, now some of them cost and some of them are in five figures, Hmm. depending on what you want it to do. We have some 3D, 4D virtual reality type platforms that start at about $15,000, you know, but that's when you just really, you know, you got money to blow, Mm -hmm. honestly, to do that. But honestly, $100 will get you really started with an event. Wow. Wow.
1: Now you mentioned that it would be good to have some assistance. So what are some of those admin tasks that you feel like people let fall through the cracks when they're creating virtual events?
0: I don't, number one, think that they have a plan to begin with. Um, Virtual events are not something you just jump out and do. There are things that have to be really planned out. You need a marketing plan. You need an execution plan. So if you don't have a company that's doing those things for you, you need to have a plan for that. So we feel like virtual events don't need work. They need work. You literally have to do work. People let the marketing piece fall through the cracks. They feel like, oh, people know me or they may know this topic and I don't really have to market a lot. No, you have to market at least three or four times more keep in mind, you're competing with all these other virtual events, so mm-hmm. you gotta market as much as possible. I think they let their graphics fall through the, the cracks. They don't have someone that's like either looking for a graphic designer or that are creating those graphics for them. Those graphics need to be bright and beautiful and bold and attention grabbing. You know, fonts, clear, concise information. Um, and also pitching, pitching to speakers, pitching to sponsors. If you are the organizer, you don't have time to do all of that mm-hmm. unless you have a team of people. So they let those things fall through the cracks, not getting the information to their speakers in a timely manner, not communicating with them throughout the process. Keep in mind, a lot of your speakers are used to speaking in person. They may get one or two emails and bam, they're done. They don't have to you know, do anything else. With a virtual event, you're communicating more because there's so many moving parts and pieces. You need someone on your team um, as an admin to help you with those tasks of communicating with speakers. Because honestly, as you're planning and working on other things, you don't have time. Mm. You won't have time to do that.
1: Now, you did mention marketing. So what is the best way to market an online event?
0: If you do not have an email list, you're dead in the water from the beginning. Really? As we can see, IG and Facebook went down an entire day. I will tell you, I got so many emails that day. It was unreal from people that I probably hadn't heard from in maybe three to six months. If you do not have an email list, you are dead in the water for your event. I can promise you. You are, There are people that don't even like social media. So if you're just posting on social media, they won't see it. They literally won't see it. Mm. Your email list is gold. It is a gold mine. actually during the pandemic mine grew a lot by hosting virtual events and different things like that um you have to reach out to your list at least once a day i would say leading up to your event but you also you want to incorporate social media there are you know people that are on social media but part of your marketing also needs to be you doing things outside the box so like i'll have a meet the speaker panel discussion on facebook or on all YouTube channel like a week before my event where you get snippets of who's going to be a part of my event. You get to hear them. Mm -hmm. You get to see why I want to bring them to the stage, which kind of helps boost your ticket sales or even boost attendance to your events. And so a lot of people miss out on ways that they can capture different audiences because they are only stuck in one way of marketing or whether they market at all.
1: What about Facebook ads? Would you advise that we use those? I
0: don't advise using Facebook ads only because depending on what your budget is, and I'll say this, and I know people will probably skin me for saying this. I don't think Facebook ads are very effective for events unless you have a ginormous budget and your, your fan base is huge. Because again, when you think about Facebook ads and how they're segmented, you know, you have to go in number one, you got to know your audience. A lot of us don't know our audience. We don't know who we're talking to. Mm -hmm. So when you do a general Facebook ad and your budget's tiny who you're talking to.
1: Yeah, It may not
0: even show up for the people who you really need to target. So I think knowing who you're talking to and having a decent sized budget may make it effective. But honestly, I have not used any Facebook ads for any of my events and I've still gotten like a really good crowd. But I think it was because I probably wore my email list out. <laughs>
1: What's That's a really, really good crowd? crowd, What would you say is like a good number for a virtual event?
0: I haven't had less than seventy five on any events, free mm-hmm. or paid mm-hmm. um, for clients. I've had events where there have been three hundred to four hundred people in a virtual platform. um AirMeet is one that can facilitate that, of course, Zoom is as well. I would say if you don't have at least half of what you think your audience is. So say you say my audience size is 200. Mm -hmm. You know, you want at least 100 people in the room. If not, you know, 50 to 75 people in the room. It just makes it more engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes when you don't have that many people, it means you missed a mark somewhere. Either the content wasn't what your people were looking for uh, or the speakers weren't in alignment Mm -hmm. or you didn't do enough marketing.
1: So it's very interesting though, that when you think through the way conversion works is even if you do have 200 people, a 50% conversion rate is extremely high. So what are you doing in order to convert people at that rate? Because just because a hundred people sign up, we found doesn't mean that a hundred people are showing up. So how do you encourage that high conversion rate?
0: Right. So- A lot of times for myself, I throw in tidbits of prizes. You got to be there in order to win. Um, We throw in lots of games, trivia, polls, different things that make people feel engaged. Your prizes gotta make sense. They gotta be something that people want, mm. um, things that people will need, um, those kind of things. And then you also have to make sure that prior to you're engaging. I want people to think about the work doesn't happen at the event. It's before the event. If you're boring or if I if there are crickets before your event, I'm not coming. Because to me, that's just indicative of what your event is going to be about. So if you're doing Instagram Lives, Facebook Lives, you're on YouTube Live, you're doing all these things prior to your event, you're giving out prizes, you, you have you know virtual photo booths, or you have ways to draw me in, I already know I'm about to have a good time at your event. You're just showing me a preview of it. And so a lot of times I think people have the impression that the work starts when the event does, it doesn't. It's prior to
1: that. Way before. Now you did mention speakers and I've seen some of these virtual events where they have 20 plus speakers. What yes. would you say is the best way to find the right kind of people to partner with? Because you also want to have them as marketing partners, right? Yes. 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 So
0: I will say this. This is my disclaimer when it comes to speakers. Your speakers are not your marketing team. And so if you bring on people because they have a big name or they got a lot of followers or whatever, thinking that that's going to help your event be big think again. They are not obligated to share your event. Now, I will say you will want, they should want to share their, your event with other people. They should want to let their team, their tribe, whatever, know where they're going to be speaking. Do not count on your speakers being a part of your marketing team. Some of them will probably won't even share until the day that they hit the stage. That's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. That's just what it is. But you have to find speakers that are in alignment. Now, that alignment will show you who's going to share your event. Um, I've missed the mark on people who I felt like, oh, they really speak good about this. But then my event was about that. They weren't in alignment. So if you're a mommy blogger and I want to bring you on to talk about you know how moms can survive during a pandemic you may not be blogging about that you may not be in alignment um although you are a mompreneur and you talk about mommy things that specific topic may not be in alignment uh for that so i think that's the that's a huge piece within itself is that we miss the mark with alignment of our of our speakers you want people who can talk about specifically what it is that you want them to talk about. That's even in your pitch emails to them is, hey, so I love, you know, X, Y, and Z. Can you talk about? this. Mm -hmm. When you leave it wide open to them, sometimes what they may tell you is not in alignment with the Mm -hmm. tone and the premise of your event. And you want people who are fun, who are engaging. I know some of the smartest people who who are super intelligent, but they are boring as speakers. Or they're not good speakers. Right. Mm -hmm. I would love their information. However, they probably won't be a part of my event. However, Mm -hmm. I may use them for swag bag. Or I may use them, hey, you have this really great course. Would you mind gifting me one or two or sponsoring one or two for my event? It still gets people, them before people, Mm. but I know that they're not going to be engaging for my audience. So those are key pieces.
1: Okay. So you mentioned swag bags and that's also popular as far as a draw to an audience a way to get people to actually show up. So you mentioned at least one way to get people to give to your swag bag. What are some good ways to fill a digital swag bag? And then how do we deliver it? How does that actually get in the hands of our conference attendees?
0: So I always ask my speakers when they come on board, um, most of the time it is a requirement for me Mm -hmm. is that you contribute at least one Freebie to the swag bag. Um, I just think it's just a way, number one, of getting their brands before people, but it's also a thank you to the people who are going to come and watch you talk. It's just something really cool. But I also think about those people who may not be in alignment with that particular topic, but they sell products and services that may may match in some sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, me as an event planner, you may not invite me to speak at a biochemist. Conference. I'm not right. a biochemist. However, as a biochemist who may want to get the information, out, you may say, Lakeisha, I know that you have a, a product that helps people create webinars. Would you mind sharing your webinar kit with people? Wow, I got it. Fine, I'm still going to be before these biochemists. Now, when they want an event, they may not. They may say your webinar packet or toolkit was good, but girlfriend, I can't do it. I need your help. Right. You know, it kind of helps that way. Um, You just, I feel like you reach out to people who you feel like, not that they're not good enough to be your speakers, but it may not be their time to be your speakers, but you know they have something really great to offer your audience. And so you just kind of pitch to them um, that you would like to include their uh, product or service in your swag bag in exchange for the email list, everyone who signs up for your event. They get the list. Lists are money. Mm-hmm. They're money waiting right there because these people, especially if you're a speaker and you have an you know a product, they like how you spoke. They're gonna go buy what you what, what you're telling them, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a really great way to do that. I am a Dropbox girl or a Google Drive girl, so okay. I always I like will it. make it my digital swag bags that accessible. I will always lean more so toward Dropbox because Dropbox is evergreen. Like it does, nothing happen. Sometimes with Google Drive, if you try to go in with a different email address than what you signed up with, you know, now you, you bugging me Mm -hmm. to get your swag Mm back. With Dropbox, I create it, drop it there, and then there's a link that goes out. It never changes. You know, even if you sign in or want to use a different computer or whatever, you can always have that. There's an option of you being able to download it to your own Dropbox or to your personal computer. And so those are the ways that I like to deliver. If I wanted to
1: be fancy, what would I use?
0: If you wanted to be fancy, you would actually just, you would go and buy a domain. And you will create it or you would create another tab, a portion to your own website that you already have. You will create this really cute, fancy page. You have pictures and links to all of their things, you know, where, how they can obtain them. And they will go and get them from there. So it just depends on like really what you want to do. I'm always for what's economical and what's easy. Mm -hmm. Um, But my bigger events, I have always added a tab. So like I do a mental wellness summit in May. That is on my website. You're going to go there and get this really cute decorated page with all of the swag bag things in it. But that's the best way. Or find a software. I know there's a lot of these really one-off softwares where you could just create a landing page for them to go and grab it Mm -hmm. and then they could just get everything they want from that one page. So it's really up to you how you want to do that.
1: I've attended a few virtual events that are also sponsored. Is that happening anymore? Yes. Yeah. Sponsors
0: want to spend money responsibly responsibly doesn't now, you know, prior to COVID and virtual events, responsibly was like, okay, so does this audience align with my brand? Now, we all align with their brands in some way, form, or fashion. We're all at home. Somebody in the household needs whatever they're offering. But the responsibility now is, am I putting money into a brand or an idea or a virtual event or an event that's in person where COVID could show up? Mm -hmm. And my name's plastered all over this particular thing? Am I being responsible? You know, then sometimes you get into the debates of vaccination, non-vaccination. You know, to me, that doesn't even matter. Sponsors don't really care. Sponsors want to stay out of the spotlight for bad things. COVID is a bad thing. If I sponsor an event that has 50 people or more, there's no social distancing in place. If there's no, you know, mask mandates in place, someone gets COVID, says that I was at XYZ event where so and so was a sponsor. Now you got bad press. Mm. Mm. Nobody wants it. And sponsors don't like always sending people as representatives for events. Think about it. It takes away time from the office. It takes away time from projects that they have to do and things like that. So now I can show up virtually, even if I'm at the office. All I got to do is go to the conference room mm-hmm. or I can be from my event actually presenting or saying thank you or doing my 30-second spot or whatever. It's just more ways for sponsors to really um, help their budgets. Now I don't have to pay ten grand for a table for your nonprofit event. Now I could do $1,000 and I could be in the email communication. Or I could sponsor a session on content writing if I'm like Paper Mate or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's so many ways now in virtual events, especially when you have sessions and you have breaks and different things. Okay. Well, the break was sponsored by Starbucks.
1: So could you give me an idea of how much we should be asking for? So if Paper Mate was sponsoring my copywriting you know, session, how much should I ask them for?
0: I would not ask for less than $10,000 if I'm doing a huge event. So if you're doing an event that you know it's going to be at least 300 people, you have to gauge your audience. Um, I would say no less than 500. I wouldn't do any sponsorships less than 500. It's not worth the check it's going to be written on, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I wouldn't start low for big companies. Sometimes you have to shoot high, and they may say, "Nope, that's not in our budget." But this is what we can do. Mm-hmm. But if you start at five hundred, and they really could do a thousand or five thousand, mm-hmm. you've just shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Whereas if you start at ten, and they're like, "Oh, well, I couldn't do that," you know, ten, but I could do five.
1: So when you're pitching them, what's, so for example, I have an event, there'll be 300 people there and we are aligned as far as, you know, the mission of the brand. If I ask them for $5,000, what am I offering them? Am I offering them enough as far as, I'm sure they're not looking for reach because as a big company, they probably have a greater reach than 300 people. What am I offering them?
0: But not always because your audience, they may not be in their eyesight. When you think about sponsors, it may not be the people you serve. It may be the people that support you. And I say that a lot to nonprofits because nonprofits are all about their causes and the people they help. Mm. The people who you help cannot afford the services mm-hmm. that you um, offer to, your brand, that the brand may be offering to them. So therefore, they're not their audience. Mm -hmm. But but the people who support you, um, you know, say there's a junior league in your city that supports you. There may be a mom group that has like 10,000 followers. Those are the people that the sponsors want. So yeah, they want their information. Yeah, they want to know who those people are. They may not want to know who you serve, but they do want to know the people who support and sponsor you. I would say you start with offering them, um, 30 second slots, 30 seconds is a long time. Oh. People pay a lot of money for 30 second spots. So or like thirty like second
1: slot. Oh. Yes. Yeah, for okay. commercials,
0: things like that. Mm. Um, I have been on events. I've hosted Events, facilitated events where five minutes was five hundred dollars. If you wanted to talk to that audience for five minutes, that was a five hundred dollars sponsorship. That also may include have included you in the swag bag. You know mm-hmm. where you were able to put something in the swag bag. It may also have included you um, being a part of our email. So when we're sending out these emails, you know there may be something with you at the bottom where we're talking about that you. Sponsor- the event, different things like that. There's so many things you can offer sponsors now that it's unreal and they love it because it's less work for them.
1: Okay, so you have to be creative about what you're offering them within the digital landscape. So speaking of emails, so once the event is over, I know it's important to nurture the attendees. So what types of email sequences do we need to be sending to prime the audiences to purchase from us, especially if it was a free event?
0: Yes. So I will tell you, I have made more money from free events sometimes than I have made from events that were ticketed because Mm -hmm. if the content is that good, they're going to buy the recordings. I just hosted a PLR summit uh, last month in September um, where I kind of introduced what PLR was to a segment of people. There were a lot of people who didn't know what it was. It was free. I made it free for everyone. I made $700 off of the recordings alone, Mm. just off the recordings alone. But I had to nurture people throughout. It was a one-day summit. It was probably about four hours. When that summit ended, bam, that email went out thanking them for coming with recaps, how to get the recordings. And uh, I have a Facebook group. So I, I, you know, told, told them they could join my Facebook group. Then the next day I sent an email recapping one of the speakers and all she had to offer and then how they could get connected with her. But I also threw in here, hey, don't forget to join the PLR Academy where you get more information. So you want to nurture them to the point to where um, if they're really interested, they're going to stick around. They're going to keep coming back for the information. They're already asking me for a part two to the PLR Summit. Um, when am I going to do it again? They want to know more information about it, mm-hmm. but you want to keep sending emails um, to where either they're going to unsubscribe from that particular segment or they're going to latch on to it. And I would say um, for a week after is normally all about the event. I'm talking about the event for at least a week after. And then I do these, month, these twice a month check-ins with them, not necessarily about the event, but about what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. about PLR as a whole, like, hey, have you tried this company? I may throw in some freebies um, to kind of keep the relationship going, but I'm still educating because we miss that too. We want to sell, 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 but where's the education piece? Mm -hmm. to whatever you're talking about. Even if it's a a summit that you did about, you know, finances, there's a certain level of education we got to keep giving people so that they will buy for us, like no trust factor. Those all play a part in virtual events. It's not any different.
1: Mm. So how do we know that the virtual event we've hosted was successful? What are some of the kind of outcomes and goals your clients are putting in place for their virtual events?
0: So I would say you determine what's successful for you. Um, I have been happy. I had an event that it was 75 people on. I just knew I was going to have 200 people um, based off of those free tickets. Mm-hmm. It was like over 250 people have registered, 75 showed up. But those 75 were super engaged. They walked away enjoying it all. Um, I always suggest, too, and I forgot to mention that, you do a post-event survey. You should do a pre-event survey to see what people want to hear, but you also should do post-event to see how you did. That's how I measure my success. If in that survey, people tell me that the information on they needed, they want more information, and they give me good feedback, not Always, oh, this was great. But that said, oh, Lakeisha, we really liked it, but we felt like it should have been longer. Mm -hmm. Or we felt like you should have touched more on this topic. I think if I can walk away with a clear insight of what I gave to people Mm -hmm. and how they liked it, it's success. It's not always about the money. Um, And because we like money, trust me, I like Mm -hmm. money too. I love money. (laughs) But success to me is did I um, make an impact? Mm. And was my purpose served in this event?
1: Mm, I like it. Now you've given us a lot of information, Lakeisha. So if people are thinking about hosting quality virtual events, where can we find you? Where can we learn more from you?
0: I am all over these internet streets. Um you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, as Lakeisha M. Mosley, a lot of times I drop different tidbits about um, virtual events that I'm hosting or events that I'm doing for clients. I sometimes uh, show you back ends behind the scenes. Of what it's like to uh, host virtually, um, and so I, and I always respond to my DMs and email. Friendly hi at thelmexperience dot com is where you can reach out um, to me there. But I just love you know showing people this whole new world of how they can be engaging and stay safe.
1: Love it! Thank you so much, Lakeisha. I really appreciate you sharing with us.
0: Thank you for having me. It was definitely fun and a pleasure.
1: Of course. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you found this show helpful, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She'sOffscript.com. All right, with that, we'll see you right back here next Thursday for another episode. Bye.